0: You're listening to the Driven by Design podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, founder of Driven by Design, and joining me today is Dominic Sullivan from Pace. G'day, Dominic. Hi, Mark. How are you? Not bad. Dominic, we're having a chat because Pace have picked up the Design Champion Award here in Sydney. This is pretty exciting. Look, it is exciting, and uh, and it's the day before the awards presentation, so you've probably got a throng of people who are coming along to go look at the awards. But I wanted to have a bit of a chat, partly about... Pace's ethos, because we've seen you guys for a, a number of years in the market, I'm aware of your work, but I also it's always great to go here first hand, where you guys are coming from, because when I look at your projects, there's a, there's a depth of maturity, when it, whether it comes to medium density, whether it comes to affordable living, whether it's got to do brownfield sites. You guys seem to be the experts here in Sydney. Well we started a while ago. Uh, our landmark project from
1: many decades ago was Homebush Bay West, which was an old industrial area of Sydney. It was on Homebush Bay, which at that point in history, this is pre-Olympics, was designated the most polluted waterway in Australia. And it was designed at the time that human beings would never live on that bay.
0: I think that might have been when we had that, uh, those previous decades where... Um, rib- rivers and waterways were a dumping spot for the things that you didn't never want to see again. They absolutely were. I mean, they
1: had uh, British, uh, British paint factories, I think was on one side of the bay. They even made Agent Orange there. and they put some pretty nasty things in the, in the, in the waterways. Uh, but the Olympics came. The Olympics challenged our ability to reimagine places uh, in terms of both recreational parklands, but also possible future residential communities and that area was earmarked for an Olympic village. It ended up being at Newington but from that point onwards we thought well what what would we do to recreate a bay that was the most polluted waterway in Australia to be a great new integrated village, a new residential precinct? How would we do it? And Homebush Bay West became one of the very early master plan communities in Sydney and that's where the pay story started all those years ago.
0: But, and now when you go look at it, it's, it's one project amongst a whole corridor of projects up, up, up and down the Parramatta River there. And so you've continued on with that push out towards Parramatta and uh, quite a few of the projects that we're going to look at here today. You've, you're experts in working out where Sydney is heading to and making sure that you're building properties that are going to service that need. And also give you and your investors an economic return, give new housing stock into markets in the new areas.
1: And I think the challenge there was to create a great place where we were responsible, wholly responsible, for all of the infrastructure. That was the hard infrastructure and also the soft infrastructure. So we were literally creating a community from scratch. We needed to look at all of the infrastructure, and that included... The new parks, the new streets, the new gardens, the new promenades, the new jetties, the new community centers, uh, and we built swimming pools and tennis courts and piazzas and plazas and public fountains and
0: gardens and so we so then we go to you know we head down the path from that because that's that 's a while ago. And then we now have a term for that, which is placemaking. Which is placemaking. And and so you've seen going from being the pioneers in, well, how do you make a, a place that's appropriate for the people who want to live there, and give them a, a forecast of what the future will be through the execution of, of the space that's been built. And now that's got a whole term around it. It's got books that have been published on it. It's now being discussed at conferences. So, so that, that must be quite unusual that you're saying well yeah we were doing that a long time ago but now it's actually considered state-of-the-art or best practice it is best practice and it all is about designing places for
1: people and ensuring that people can feel included and a sense of belonging in that place and we talk a lot of nowadays about uh inclusive places places that connect people And that's what we were doing many decades ago, because in creating a place from scratch, we were thinking not so much about the buildings, but those spaces between the buildings that would actually encourage community life. And now it's standard course for us to now look at a project in terms of how we can create that real sense of livability. So when people walk out of their front door, what is the experience of community life that they're going to enjoy? Because we know from our own homes and our own suburbs, the thing that really makes the big difference is that sense of community life and community participation. And that's why, in all our developments, we focus a lot on these community places at the heart of our, of our projects.
0: So, listeners, on the, uh, in the preparation for the podcast today... We're having a bit of a chat, and we're talking about well, what's a, what's the duration that somebody is going to live in one of the, in one of these developments compared to maybe living in a in an urban area, and in the inner urban um, period is somewhere around about the five year mark is where the average point is. Dominic was explaining to me that there's actually the adaptability side that people might go through various life changes; they may go through generational changes. Their kids have. Grown up, they've left home. They may actually now not have the same mobility that they had, and that they've worked on. How do they go bring in that that capacity for people to be there three to four times longer than you would have maybe in, in an inner urban environment in the in these new communities? So that so that means you've got then much deeper cultural connections are going to be taking place, and so I suppose one of your projects that you've got is um, Melrose Park. It's a 30 hectare um, site. It's around about $6 billion of uh, development that's taking place there, 6,000 dwellings, but it's 10 to 15 years to roll that out. So how do you get from today to 10 or 15 years down the track? must be in chunks. It is in chunks. Uh, It starts with a great plan. So everything starts with
1: a structure plan and then a detailed master plan to ensure that we create that livability from day one. So we know the place is more than just diversity of housing stock. The diversity allows people to make a choice as to compact living, and to studio one bedrooms, to upsize to a two bedroom, maybe to downsize into a three bedroom or a two bedroom. But giving that diversity allows people to imagine a future there, whatever their needs might be, and that would include ageing in place. But 30 hectares allows us to be quite innovative when it comes to design. So we get to create magnificent streetscapes, we get to create fantastic public parks. We get to put in the soft infrastructure of, of cafes and libraries and art galleries and childcare centres. We get to create a great town centre. And now we've had announced that there's going to be a light rail that's running through the middle of it. So this creates endless opportunities for terrific placemaking. And what we do is we, we imagine, create a vision for a great master plan. The master plan becomes the blueprint. The blueprint becomes the adopted development control plan, and then, as, as you say, we deliver it over stages. So over 10 to 15 years, we develop and deliver a brand-new suburb with all of those critical ingredients of
0: amenity and livability. So then one, one of the things that often gets uh, missed in new suburbs is... Uh, I remember when I was growing up, then they forgot to put in the drains. <laughs> so there were these ditches on the sides. I think we're past that period. But then we've seen in some communities, they forgot to put in the schools Mm. um, or they forgot to put in the community centres. And people have moved in, there's issues there. They have also forgot to put in the public transport. So you've got a tick there that the light rail is going in because that Mm. creates great communication, articulation, etc. How about things such as the um, community centres, schools, so that people don't have to wander too far? from where they're now living.
1: So the wonderful thing about Melrose Park is that we already have a fantastically appropriate a primary school which only has about 100, 150 kids but it's on a massive piece of real estate. And we've been working with that school to create a future school, the school of the future. What will a 21st century uh, learning environment be? And that's going to be one of the exciting legacies of this project is delivering a school that's now part of our new community. Great. And uh, the exciting thing there is, it's more than just the learning environment. When we set ourselves the challenge of a 21st century community or suburb, we start to question things such as access and amenity. So how do school environments become community environments that don't just operate between nine and three? How do we make them centres of early learning and early education? How do we look at things such as safe access to school? How do we envisage a world where any kid in primary school who wants to ride their bike to school can do so? And so we think there's a massive opportunity to start to plan the suburbs of the future by addressing and challenging ourselves as to what is important to communities.
0: Now, being a 30 hectare site, 6,000 homes... Do I get a basketball team and do I get a football team? Do I get a netball team? And have you come up with names for them? Is it, you know, is it the Melrose Park Demons? Or Well, we're very lucky. We
1: actually are surrounded by established residential areas and a lot of that social infrastructure is already there. So we have the West Ride Rovers and they have magnificent teams across both netball, cricket and soccer. Um, and we have the Irvington United Soccer Club, and the, and these, these are all the sort of teams that are literally on our doorstep. So already we have a fair degree of social infrastructure that people are able to tap into. But you're right, all of, all of those activities that we take for granted in any established suburb uh, need to be created and developed and enhanced in a new suburb. And the social infrastructure is as important as the hard infrastructure. And over the years, we've done a lot of work in creating these platforms for great community activity
0: and connectivity, because uh, that's what makes a great suburb. That's what makes a great area. Yeah. So I suppose the, uh, the surrounding communities are going to love you because you're going to bring in all this new talent for their, uh, to play in their teams. But I suppose at some point, we're going to go see the, uh, those you know Melrose Park demons come out somewhere to wonder which code they're going to be in. That'll, that'll be interesting and go see where that comes around. So sustainability uh, is an area which is always top of mind in new developments. And you know we were talking before about some of the work that you started with with had to go do with land, um, uh, cleaning up and making sure that they got rid of yesterday's nasties. What are you doing so that for tomorrow that you're treading as lightly on the, on the planet as possible? Where does that fit into your schemes?
1: I think when we start with apartment design, uh, New South Wales has a a very good starting point with SEP 65 which is all about challenging our ability to design apartments that have maximum opportunities for cross-flow, ventilation, for uh, reducing impacts of solar impacts so that uh, we can reduce the need for air conditioning, um, that we can ensure, for example, that waste is minimised in our buildings, both through the construction process but also when the building is, is up and operating. We're looking at solar for um, either powering uh, uh, gas for, for hot water or indeed for powering common areas in, in our buildings. But I think the real opportunity moving forward is looking at our, at our new precincts as being enabled so that uh, as... Owners of a unit, or a tenant in a unit, or a member of a body corporate, were able to actively manage the performance of those assets when it comes to the power, the water, uh, the waste, and being able to actively minimise uh, those 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 uh, those inputs. So, a future city looks at using smart city initiatives of of data and digital innovation to be able to get greater efficiencies and to better manage those precincts and that's where we would love Melrose Park to be, um, a suburb of the future that is data enabled, digital, digitally enabled, um, a platform that will enable us to see greater sustainability, some innovations that may not even be imagined right now but we know that they're coming and if we've created the platform that suburb can adapt and be flexible enough to meet those requirements of the future.
0: So now I now want to go across and have a little bit of a look at one of the projects, or actually a project that picked up two awards uh, in this year's awards was Hearts Landing. Mm. It had some uh, special characteristics because the idea of affordable housing, the uh, build to rent, it had a very different, um, say, personality than a lot of master plan communities. Tell me a bit more about that project.
1: Well, it's one of the unique ones in Sydney that's been able to marry a mixture of affordable housing, social housing and private housing in a mixed tenure uh, complex. So the project is 268 units half of which are social affordable and half of which are private and it is surprising that it's one of the first in Sydney but it's really challenging um, the concepts of how we can create both great design but also bring together in collaboration parties who can deliver these mixed-tenure places. Um, Our partner here, we had a number of partners, our partner here on the affordable was Evolve Housing um, and under the stewardship of Andrea Galloway, they've been able to prove the partnership with the private sector has helped them increase their efficiency. So they ended up getting a greater yield uh, through collaboration with ourselves. It also involved the state government through Landcom. Who brought the project to us at the outset wanting this form of innovation and collaboration so you know without the community housing sector and without the state government earmarking this for innovation it wouldn't have happened Um, but it's been a terrific result Um, I think there was an absolute queue for the affordable housing uh, product and um, and the market took up the private housing um, very quickly. And what that said to me was that sometimes we are too quick to stigmatise either social housing or affordable housing. Um, but here, with its proximity to the, to the retail at uh, Penrith, and also to the transport, um, this is a very desirable place to live.
0: Yeah, and listeners, we, we were talking again before uh, about the idea of affordable housing and, and different markets. Because we see projects in New York, we see them in London, Hong Kong, Melbourne, Sydney. We go see very different regulations and legislative bases that either enable affordable housing to have its own life, or you go see people who are um, orientated to go and put part of their yield out of their properties into into affordable housing and then you'll also find some non-for-profits who have a mantra to to make sure the affordable housing there so so when we see examples of affordable housing in different parts of the world you've got to go look at what the um the government interest is and there are some leaders in that i definitely have to say new york is the absolute leader in the world when it comes to affordable housing because some laws will pass that then enable investment and an investment class that means that people who want to go get a great return on their investment with very low risk that there's now laws that help protect them and everyone's on the same playing field here in uh, sydney as there is also in melbourne those same uh, conditions don't exist so the people who are actually champions of affordable housing are really doing something which is helping out our community that our politicians are as yet to go and, and tackle themselves. So it's it's fantastic to go see the work that PACE has done there because um, if they were just interested in the short term, they probably wouldn't have gone and put as much affordable housing. Do you remember the percentage that uh, came into the Hearts Landing project uh, as far as the affordable housing?
1: So Hearts Landing was, I think, with the social, it was 50% of the project. And I think what really... Made it a viable project was the willingness of the state government to look at a subsidised model. So the land went in there at a subsidised rate in order to encourage and incentivise the partnership between the not for profit and the for profit to come together and create the asset. And, and, when and that's a win. That's a win win. And I think a lot of commentators have now indicated that. If government looked at its land holdings, there are probably some easy wins out there um, by incentivising this sort of partnership between the not-for-profit and the for-profit to look
0: at creating these mixed-tenure communities. Mm. And then the final um, project that picked up in the Sydney Design Awards that we'll look at is the Albany Crow's Nest. So help me understand a bit of where that project's up to, because I think we've got it here uh, for its architecture proposed, that it was awarded. But I don't think it's that far away from when you're going to actually start to see it completed, is that right?
1: No, that's right. It'll be finished early next year. And the exciting thing about it is that it sits on Willoughby Road, which uh, any visitors to that part of Sydney would be aware is a great culinary district of Sydney. It's got fantastic restaurants and cafes and a real village atmosphere. The Crowsness is also going to be home to a metro station, which is going to see a great deal of densification and urbanisation, some very tall tower forms of up to 50 storeys. So the real challenge was how do we we invoke, how do we retain and preserve a sense of the village in absolute close connectivity and connection to now a very high-rise precinct? And this project is one of those medium density projects which creates that buffer. So it is a mixture of retail and residential, It's only four storeys on podium, on top of a great retail plaza and a new public piece of open space. And it will become that great invigorated piece of architecture that starts to define Willoughby Road as this place between very high density and the village.
0: And it's interesting over a 10 to 15 year um, cycle to go see what the yields are for the medium density in a high density um, neighbourhood. So no doubt it's going to be a great return for the people who are also looking at it. Dominic, that's it's been great to go and, um, and go through your projects. Again, to the team at PACE, congratulations. Thank um, you. It's fantastic to go see the ongoing commitment that you've got to be led by design, or as we prefer to say, driven by design. And um, uh, to you and your team, it's great to go see this, and no doubt we're going to see more projects from you in the future. Thank you very much, and uh, we are very, very chuffed by these
1: accolades. Um, It's an indication that we're doing something right, but it's also an indication that the market and the consumers respond well to good design, and, you know, it's an important part of our process in the planning sense. But ultimately, when it gets to the delivery stage, uh, to be acknowledged for the
0: result, That means a lot. Well, it's great to uh, congratulate you and recognize somebody who's driven by design. Thank you. We're done.